Hey everyone, this is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and this is our weekly podcast. Hope it encourages you. Hope it makes you want to be closer to Jesus and more like him. Hope you enjoy this sermon. And if you want to know more about us, find us online at woodburnbaptist.org. Story before I get started. Um, There's this little boy who lived in a village and he was always wanting to cause issues, stir things up, just to, he was a prankster. And so he would just go around the village yelling, wolf, wolf, trying to get everybody stirred up, watching the grown-ups panic and try to get all the little kids inside, safety. Uh, he would do this over and over and over and eventually people would just get weary of it. Until one day, the little boy cried out, wolf, because he saw a wolf. And he was crying out, wolf, wolf, trying to get help and no one came. Now, we all know this story as the boy that cried wolf, right? You've heard it or some version of it at some point. But what is the story? What is the moral? What is it trying to get across to us? Don't lie, right? Don't lie. Now, we could tell someone not to lie, and they may or may not listen. um, But the real reality of it is they don't, it's hard to envision the reason. It's hard to envision, okay, well, if I tell a lie, what's the problem? This is not a big lie. But this story illustrates a very real Example of danger, uh, something that could happen when you lie, uh, uh, the consequences that, that would come from lying. And suddenly you realize, oh, I've been that boy before. I have done that. I've lied before. It's, it's, a ter- it's a parable. And it goes along the truth of lying is dangerous. It can be dangerous for you and others around you. It illustrates this point to the audience. So today we're talking about parables. We're kicking off this series called Parables And I know that's a bit of a church word. We don't use that in our everyday language, probably. I don't hear you guys using that word very often. So um, it's in Scripture, of course, and we see uh, that Jesus taught, especially from this point where we're going to be today on, uh, mainly through parables, through these stories. And so you may ask the question, well, what is a parable? It, It comes from the Greek parabole which just literally means to throwing, being throwing alongside, to throw alongside. Uh, Bole means throwing and para, like parallel. Uh, It's just the alongside idea. And so a parable is this. It's a story that goes alongside a truth in order to illustrate that truth in a practical way to the listeners. That's that's us, right? It goes right alongside the truth and it illustrates it in, in, in visions and imagery that we can kind of wrap our mind around. We can understand it. And it doesn't point fingers, right? You, it doesn't come in saying, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar. It tells a story about what lies can do and, and the, those that tell lies, the consequences that, that could befall you. And it helps us to be like, oh, wait, I've, I've been that boy. It, it provides opportunities for us to self-examine. Jesus was a genius, right? He knew that if he came in pointing fingers to the people that he was speaking to, then they would put up walls and they would, they would be you know, kind of defensive and they would be less likely to receive whatever the truth is, the, the point is that he was trying to make. But if he could communicate that same truth in a way that, that brings them along and helps them to, to just kind of fall into the story, then they would be more likely to accept that truth. Uh, we don't like to have our faults pointed out to us, Right? We don't like people to come up to us and say, you are terrible at this, or you shouldn't have done that, or that's bad. We, we just get, we get all hurt, right? We, we're fragile people, and we get our feelings hurt. And so if we see that someone is going to potentially hurt our feelings or say something we don't like, we're going to shoot a wall up, and, and we're going to shut out whatever it is. They could be 
have the best intentions in the world, but we're not going to catch it because we are so ready to, to just put up our guard. So we shut out whatever the truth is that's coming our way. But the reality is we need to hear the truth. It's, it's something necessary for us. It's something that we need. So a parable is this avenue where that truth can be maybe veiled, not secretly or, or, or trickily. It just veiled for a period of time long enough for, uh, for us to let our guards down and, and come to the point of maybe recognizing ourself in that story and being able to be able to respond, to, to come to a, a point where we can visualize, okay, that's me, what do I need to do, how do I need to act and respond to this? Let me show you another example. There was a young couple who recently gotten married and they moved into a neighborhood, had you know, lots of things going on, lots of people moving around, doing lots of different things, and so they would enjoy sitting and eating um, in their dining room and, and watching you know, the neighbors just, just go about life and do fun things, and they, had, they were eating breakfast and their next door neighbor was, was coming out and hanging up her laundry for, on, the, on the line to dry. And the husband makes a comment, what is she doing? That's dirty laundry. Why is she hanging that out to dry? And, and so he, this went on for, for a few months and they would be down there eating breakfast and sometimes the neighbor would bring out laundry and every time the husband would say, there she is again, bringing out dirty laundry. Somebody needs to teach her how to do laundry. This is just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's almost humorous at this point. Until one morning he comes down Wife has breakfast ready and they're sitting there eating and the neighbor comes out and she's hanging clothes and suddenly the husband says, well, look, she finally figured it out. She has clean clothes hanging on the line. I'm glad somebody finally taught her how to do that. And the, and the wife just kind of smiles and she says, well, I came down early this morning and washed our windows. So the reality is that she was, she, he was judging something and, 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 and he had all these issues going on, right? He was judging the neighbor when he had dirty windows. The truth kind of smacks you in the face, right, when you hear a parable, right? It's, it's teaching us. You're drawn in. Okay, this story, this guy, you know, I'm going to find out what's going on with this lady and this laundry and this guy. And suddenly you're like, oh, that's me. I've judged people unfairly. I've done that. I need to figure out what this is and get rid of it. This is me in this story. He's talking about Jesus. He's a genius, I'm telling you. So throughout this series, we're going to look at these parables of how Jesus teaches these things, and we're going to look at a few of them, but today we're going to be looking at the one called Parable of the Sower, sometimes called Parable of the Farmer, uh, but of course, once we read it, we'll understand it's really more about the soil than it is the, the sower himself, but we wanted to start with this one because it, it's one of the very few that Jesus actually explains, but it also has a section where Jesus is, is explaining why he even teaches through parables, why he's doing this. And so this particular one, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13, if you want to go ahead and turn there. It's also found in the book of Mark and Luke, but we're going to be looking at the, the one in chapter 13 of Matthew. Now, at this point in Matthew, we've already seen Jesus do some amazing things. He's been teaching. He's been performing miracles. He's been healing, all these different things. So people are gathering around him. They, they hear Jesus is around. They want to come see. They want to see what he's going to do. They want to hear what he's going to say. And so they're crowding him wherever he goes. And of course, at this point, he's at a lakeside and so many people that he has to actually go out on a boat so that they can all have a chance to hear him. He kind of just gets a little bit away from the shore. Uh, but I want you, as we read this, to just imagine yourself in this audience as Jesus is speaking and how you might respond to this. So again, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Later that day, Jesus left the house, sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got in the boat. And he sat there, and he taught as many people as they stood on the shore. And he told stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some of the seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. 
Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still others fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for teaching us. And I pray right now this morning as you speak, I pray that you just allow hearts to be open to hear your words and not only to just hear, but to listen, God. And I pray that you just soften our hearts uh, to receive you this morning. We ask these things in your son's name, amen. So you're in this crowd. You're listening to Jesus speak and, and you're, he's beginning to tell this story about a farmer, right? And, and you, you know he's performed all these miracles. He's done all these amazing things. And you're thinking, that's what I wanna see. That's what I wanna hear about, God. And, and, but instead he's telling this story about a farmer, and then you're thinking, well, no offense, Jesus, but you're a carpenter, right? Uh, what are you te- teaching about farming for? And, and we know the kind of the basics of how planting seeds works and all that stuff. But then he gets to that last line, he says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And so makes you pause, makes you think, okay, wait a minute, there's, there's more to this. And that's something that we all need to do when Jesus speaks is to pause because when Jesus speaks, there's always more to understand, when Jesus is talking, whether it's through scripture or to us and to our hearts or through other people, we need to stop and listen because there's always more to understand. So maybe if you were in this crowd, you would, you would hear this or you might go on home and you might kind of replay it over and over in your head until you know, maybe you begin to understand the story or think, how does this apply to me? You might even wait around. So maybe you can catch Jesus and ask him some questions. Uh, you may be asking him, what, what did you mean anyone with ears to hear should, should listen and understand? What is that all about? Um, but the disciples, they had the same question. So verse 10, his, his disciples came and they said, why do you use parables when they're speaking to the people? Well, it's a great question. And, and they're asking him, essentially, they're just saying, listen, Jesus, we know what you're telling these people. We know how important this message is. Why don't you just tell them? Give them the facts, tell them straight out, give them a three-point sermon, send them on their way. Give them the information that they need. Tell them what they need to hear. And, 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 and they're wondering why Jesus is kind of being mysterious. So he responds. He says this he's, in verse 11. He says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be giving, given. And those who have and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they might have will be taken away from them. That's why I use parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So obviously one reason that Jesus speaks in parables is because it's understandable. We can relate to it. He uses imagery that makes sense to us. We can visualize maybe what he's talking about and the truth might be a little bit easier to accept. He knew that also that people couldn't just write down notes, right? They didn't have that capability like we do now. They don't have a recorder or things like that. And so a story is also something that they can go home and, and recount. It's, it's information in a way that they can understand, they can share it, those kinds of things. But of course, Jesus has a deeper reason for what he's trying to, to teach here. He refers to Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, who we know, you know went to Israel to, to warn them and to tell them that they needed to repent and, and turn from their, their sins and, and you know, turn to Jesus. But he also warned them if they didn't, 
you know, that, that there's, there's going to be consequences. That's, it's not going to be, you know, it's okay if you don't and you can walk away. No, there, is, there are real consequences for turning away from God. And so Jesus was proclaiming this truth. He's calling people to repentance, teaching that, that salvation is available for those who are willing to accept it. And you need to listen and, and begin to make changes. But if you don't, there are going to be consequences. There's judgment for those who refuse to respond. So again, imagine you're in this audience, you're listening. You're hearing what, what this is saying, what they're saying. And, and, and if Jesus had come in and pointed fingers at you and the people around you and said, you're a sinner, you're a thief, you're a robber, you're, you're a filthy person, all of these things, which they all, we all are. But if he had come in pointing fingers like that, we would have shot up a wall, right? Mm-mm, I'm not listening to that. He's talking to this guy over here. He's not talking to me. I'm not gonna, uh-uh, I'm not a thief. I'm not a liar. And so we would put this wall up and we would never catch the truth. But he came in with this story that you can be drawn into. You want to know what's going on. You want to know about this farmer. You want to know about the soil and these seeds and what happens until you get to a point where you're thinking, oh, that's me. I- I'm right here in this story. And, and so there were some in the audience who probably heard this story and just shut it out and didn't listen. But there were still several who chose to listen, who chose to take it in. It may, and it would have been at different rates. It wouldn't have all been right there that day at that time. It would have been a response that trickled throughout maybe the coming days, the coming weeks. And people would have had eagerness to learn more because parables do that. Parables uh, begin to build bridges from, from the truth to our heart. And that's where Jesus needs, wants us to, to kind of get a hold of him is in our heart. He wants to get a hold of us in our heart. And, and, and the reality is, you know, we can have all the knowledge up here and that's useless until it gets here to our heart. And so we can have these lectures and he can tell the truths and all of these things, but they're facts and, and they, they may fade. But parables are kind of like friends who just come alongside us and just bring us on a journey to show us Show us what's going on. It's, Jesus knew how we think. He's a genius. And so he uses this knowledge to get past what's up here to get into here. He knows the reality is that not everybody's going to accept that him, first of all, and not everybody's going to accept him at, the, at that moment. It's going to take some time. And that's why we, we want people to, to share the gospel all the time, you know, because it may not be the first time that, that somebody accepts it. It may not be the second. It may take multiple times. So continue sowing seeds. So again, he knows someone will reject it, but some will accept him. He's genius. So he goes on, he wants to clarify with the disciples and what's, what exactly he is talking about. So he goes on and explains this parable and what this one means, maybe because this one's kind of foundational to those that come, but he explain, explains it here, starting in verse 18. He says, listen to the explanation of this parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or they're persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Then the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word, and they produce a harvest of 30 or 60 or even 100 times as much as has been planted. So the parable, of course, itself is fairly short. 
Um, it's, not, it's not really long drawn out. There's this sower who went out to, to sow seeds. And we understand that these seeds represent God's word, the truth of God, the gospel, right? Uh, we have a lot of farmers in this community, right? Probably in this church, right? Um, and so what does it mean to sow seeds? planting seeds, right? Literally planting seeds so that they will grow, so that they can eventually become whatever it is that will produce the fruit, the the crop that we want, and then we can come and harvest it. Of course, farming looks different today than it did in Jesus's time, right? It's, It's completely different, but the basics are still the same. You guys all understand the basics of planting seeds, just like this audience that Jesus was speaking to. They all were familiar with what farming looked like for them. They were either farmers themselves or they were related to farmers. They were friends with farmers. They knew a farmer. They passed the farmer on the way to where they are now. So they understand this process. You know, they can envision this, this farmer with his satchel wrapped around him full of seeds as he's out spreading the seeds. They, they knew what that looked like. Now, keep in mind, these farmers were skilled just like our farmers today, they, just because some seeds fell in places that they didn't grow doesn't mean that farmer didn't know what they were doing. Um, it's just inevitable when seeds are, are, are thrown out, some of them will not be received well in that moment. Um, that's why we continue to do it. But it, it comes down to the condition of the soil where that seed lands, right? If it's ready to accept that seed or not. If it's fertile, if it's, if it's not hard and packed and all of these things. And for us, it's about our heart, We can hear all about Jesus day after day after day, but until our heart is willing to accept him and listen to him, it's it's, it's just going to fall away. So when you are listening this morning, the condition of your heart is going to determine how you receive this, whatever God is telling you this morning. When you pray and read your Bible every day, as I know you do, um, it is the condition of your heart on each of those days as to what you receive. When you are praying and reading scripture with your spouse or with your, with your kids, it is the condition of every individual heart as to how that will be received. When you're in your Bible study groups, it would be the condition of the hearts in that room as to how and what will be received. So it's all about the heart and the heart condition and the soil of our hearts. So there are four types that, that he goes on to describe in this parable, that we're gonna break these down. Now, the first one, I want to go to the end. I want to get to the last one first because this is the one that is kind of the standard. This is the good soil that God wants us to have and, and, and have our heart kind of to represent. This, when it comes to soil, it's the good soil. It's soft and it's accepting of the seed. It accepts the seed, right? For a heart, it would be a heart that's open, a heart that's responsive to God's word, that, that produces fruit, ultimately. Those who have you know, the heart of good soil will bear fruit. So when we think about bearing fruit, we know what crops, we know when we plant a seed that, that will grow physical fruit or, or grain or whatever it happens to be. But what's that mean for us? What kind of fruit? Well, Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So it produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all of those things within us. And then also, step further, it could be producing fruit in bringing others to Christ, you know, sharing the gospel and, 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 and helping those who need to understand, you know, who Jesus is and what Jesus can do for our lives. And that is called bearing fruit as well. And so that's kind of the desire that Jesus has for all of us. He wants us to be fruit bearers. He wants us to represent him and what we do and what we say and how we are and how we act. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect, you know, good soil doesn't mean that you're a perfect person because there are no perfect people, right? We are, there's, there's not, it doesn't exist. It just means that this person is, is continually running after Jesus. 
Even they might stumble, but they get back up and they continue to run to Jesus. This is the person that retains joy when, when they're going through the darkest times in their life. This is the person that will love people even though those people are not loving to them and they hurt them. Uh, it would be the people who bring peace to broken situations. It'd be these people who are patient when the world is just chaos. The people who are kind when people aren't kind to them. That's the kind of people who are producing the kinds of fruit that God would have for us. They're sharing the good news. They're good, they're faithful, they're gentle. And then the best part about it is this. They don't have to do it alone. Because when we talk about soil, when we plant seeds in good soil, what happens? It begins to grow, right? The farmer doesn't just walk away and forget about it, right? He takes care of it. He, he makes sure it need, if, it has, if it needs water, he gets water. If it needs a certain type of fertilizer, he gets that fertilizer because he wants that, that to, to produce, right? And that's what Jesus does with us. He doesn't just say, okay, you're saved, now go. He says, no, you're saved, now let's go. He wants to come with us. He wants to create a relationship and he wants to pour into you. He wants to give you strength when you need it. He wants to give you patience when you need it. He wants to give you grace when you fall short and need to make a correction. That's the person with good soil. It's the person who hears the message, understands, responds, and begins to make changes in their life and, and begin to become a new creation that God has created them to be. Someone who has received Jesus as their personal savior and lives a life that has changed and, and produces fruit. So that's the standard, that's the good soil that God would have for us to kind of aim at. Now let's kind of take a step back and look at these other three types. The first one that's mentioned here is the hard soil. This is of course hard and unaccepting. Um, for a heart, it would be a heart that's closed and, and unresponsive. These are the people who hear Jesus' words, but they just don't accept it for whatever reason. They don't acknowledge their need for Jesus. They don't acknowledge that they even want him or need him or want to have anything to do with him. It's that seed that falls on the path, right? It's so hard and packed that the seed can't take hold. The, uh, the property where my parents grew up, it, where we, they built a house when I was about seven years old, and that's where I grew up. It was, it was a bigger property, and so we had, it was woods, it was all forest when we moved in, and so dad cleared all that out, and to this day has been trying to create a yard. Um, but there was lots of things for us to do, and one of those things that we did was we had a go-kart. Um, and now when I say go-kart, don't envision what you see as a go-kart today. It did not look like that. This one came over on the Mayflower, I'm pretty sure. It was a go-kart that um, was my aunt's, uh, when she was a kid, they bought it used from somebody. My dad ended up getting it. He spray painted it hot pink, fixed it up. It was gonna be a gift for my sister. She never came outside, so it was ultimately a gift for me. So I got a go-kart. Now this go-kart was one, the safety didn't exist when I was a kid. You, you guys remember that? You could stick your kid in the back window of the car. That was safe. But this is when I was, uh, there was no row, row cage, no seat belts. The seats were not attached. That was a luxury, apparently, and so we didn't get the attached seats. Um, so you had to hold everything just right to stay in this thing. And so um, this, this thing, I just rode it all the time. And so I was creating these paths all across the property. And there is my dad trying to get the yard to grow. He's throwing out grass seed day after day after day, and it's falling on this go-kart path, and it just never would take root because the, the soil was so packed the seed would either get washed off by the rain or picked up by the birds, and so it just never would grow. The soil was hard and unresponsive to the seed, much like some of the hearts in this room maybe this morning. Maybe our heart is hard and unreceptive. We don't like to hear the truth, right? We don't like to hear that. That's not me. But Jesus knew that 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 was difficult to hear. That's why he spoke to us in parables. But the truth is, some of you that are listening to this this morning have a heart that's just unresponsive, that is just not ready to hear truth, that's maybe hearing the words that I say, but you're not listening to what Jesus is telling you. 
And, and, and so you're not responding. It's not, it's not, you're not allowing that connection to be made in your heart. But if you think this might be you, please listen, because this message that Jesus is telling is maybe one of the most important you'll ever hear, is that, that you need him. You need him. You need to turn from whatever it is that you are, are, are trying to figure out on your own and give your life to him. He died for, for you and for me and, and for our sins. And so he is offering this free gift of salvation, and he wants that for you. But Satan wants you to wait, right? He wants to pack that soil down in your heart and say, just, just wait, just wait. You could do that later, right? Or he wants you to think about it and think about it and overcomplicate it in your head and, and tell you, you've you got, you got a lot of stuff right here you need to get figured out before you come over here to Jesus. This stuff is embarrassing. You don't wanna, you don't wanna come talking to Jesus when you've got this stuff going on. So he's swooping in, he's snatching that seed before it can take root. But don't let him, don't let Satan do that to you. God, ask God to, to, to break up that soil, to, to soften that soil in your heart, to till it up so that you can be ready to accept him. And for those of you in this room, maybe you've, you're in this room and you've accepted Jesus, so you're thinking, okay, this is not me, I'm gonna wait till he gets to the next one. It could be that you just have areas of your heart that are hard. Maybe you've accepted Jesus and you, you've given him 99% of your heart and your life. But there's that 1% that you're hanging on to. I don't wanna give this up. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I don't wanna give this up, God. Or maybe it's not necessarily a sin, it's just, the, the, it's just the, a control thing, which is a sin, but you, you, you have this area of your life you just you want to be in charge of. You don't wanna give that to God. Whatever it looks like, that part of your heart is hard. It's unresponsive. God is speaking into that part of your heart and to your life today as well. Don't let Satan come in and snatch those seeds from that part because I know you say, well, I've got 99% that I'm all Jesus, then I'm good. Well, you're missing out on 1%. 1% of Jesus is a lot. You don't wanna miss out on that. You can repent today and, and ask God to, to, to till that part of your heart up. Ask him to take that hard-heartedness away from your heart. You don't have to remain in that. You don't have to live with those areas of your heart. You can just seek him this morning. So that's the hard soil, Right? These next two might get a little bit more personal. The rocky soil is the next one. This is the soil that would be shallow, and beneath that soil level is it's just rocks. And it's temporary, right? Rain can come, wash it away. Um, and then there's, when it comes to the heart, it would be a heart that's more superficial and inconsistent. And there are, these are the people who hear God's word, they get so excited and they just are ready to just take on the world, right? That's amazing, it's wonderful, we celebrate that. On the surface, everything looks, looks good, everything looks fine, right? But under that surface is a layer of rocks, and so there's no opportunities for, the, for, for a foundation to be created or for roots to take hold. It's not that these people aren't genuinely excited about the gospel, they are, and we, we want to celebrate that with them. But it's that, it's that, you know, it's that whole mindset of, you know, just pray this prayer and you'll be saved, and we're gone, we're good to go. I mean, that's great, let's do that. Let's ask people to, to come forward and, and accept Jesus as their personal savior, but that is just the beginning. That is the very first step to a lifelong process, right? This is where I spent the first six years of my life of faith, is in this infancy, I guess you could call it, uh, of faith. I was seven years old when I asked Jesus into my life, and I know that that was the moment that I was saved. I have no doubts about that, but I, was, I knew I needed Jesus, I asked Jesus in my life, and I said, I'm a sinner, God, take these sins away, and he did, but that's it, that's, that's where I stayed. I went to church all the time, I, I mean, I grew up in church, I was there all the time, and so I knew all the answers, I memorized scripture, I knew the right from wrong, I knew all of these things, 
but I never allowed it in. I never allowed a relationship to form with Jesus. It was just all here and not here. And so it was, it was when I was 13 years old, I remember this day so clearly, but God, he said to me, Jason, if you love me, then love me. I lo- the people in my life that, that I have loved up to that point, I had relationships with. I said I loved Jesus, but I had no relationship with him. So that was the day I committed, recommitted my life to Jesus. I was at Jonathan Creek Camp, and I remember that day clearly. And I, and I said, from this day on, I'm going to work on this relationship. And I have. You know, I, I, it's never a point where I'm going to be there. You know, there's never like a, okay, check it off or do it. We're good to go. This is a lifelong process. Every day, even every hour, where you continually have to redirect yourself and point yourself back toward Jesus. But I began to move away from this, this rocky soil. God began to take those rocks out and began to fill it with, with fertile soil, move past this point towards good soil. So Jesus wants these people that he's speaking to and us as we read this to understand that it is awesome to hear about him and to hear his word and to be excited about it. But until we allow it to take root in our heart and in our life, it is pointless. It is powerless. We have to truly accept his truth. So there needs to be the spiritual foundation, the spiritual shift to get these rocks out and good soil in. And that requires spending time with God, right? It seems simple. We talk about this in church all the time. Yes, pray and read the Bible. But do we do it? Pray. Spend time in God's word. If you don't understand it, keep reading. Ask God to help you to understand it. Talk with someone about it. Help them to, to show you what, they, what God has shown them out of that scripture. But you have to build that relationship and you just have to begin stepping out on faith, trusting Jesus a little bit at a time. And the more that you do, the more you're gonna see, oh, he's not gonna leave me hanging. And then you build that relationship with him. And he will begin to remove those rocks and create fertile soil, good soil in your heart. Then he goes on. This is the one that might step on the most toes. This is what we call the thorny soil. This is the soil that's crowded and it's malnourished because there's so much there going on. In our heart, there would be a heart that's distracted and spiritually starved. Uh, it's someone who initially hears God's word and accepts God's word and, and, and just, you know, is, is just ready. But then life happens, right? It begins to grow and take root, but then there's choices to be made. There's other things that now we have to choose if we're going to allow these things in our life or not. They're torn between accepting God fully and 100% and accepting all these other things that the world's throwing at us. This is the seed, of course, that falls among the thorns. And it's the soil, again, it's pretty good. The soil is fine. It accepts the seed and the seed begins to grow, but it also accepts everything else too. The weeds of the world. Now, uh, one thing about weeds, some of them are obviously weeds, right? We could go out and pick out some pretty ugly weeds and say, those are weeds, we don't want those, right? But there are some pretty nice looking weeds, right? Some flowering weeds. I probably planted some weeds and didn't know it. Weeds sometimes are beautiful. And and you think, well, what's the harm in planting this, this flower that's actually a weed? What happens with weeds? They begin to take over, right? They begin to overshadow the plant that you've actually planted. They begin to draw nourishment that that plant will need. They begin to draw the moisture that that plant needs. They begin to grow tall, grow tall and, and take the sun from that plant. And ultimately, that plant will begin to, to wither and not be able to bear fruit. Back several years ago, when I was kind of getting ready to be an adult, I guess, you know, coming out of high school into college and trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, um, you know, I... I 
was gifted musically and God opened doors for me to go to college and study music and worship. And, and my dream at that point, may sound silly now, but this was my dream, was to be a famous Christian singer. That's what I wanted to do. And so that's what I was gonna do. That's where I had planned. That's what I was gonna do. And there were, I had several opportunities and things that opened up for me to be able to kind of step into that world. And, and so I began to do that. I began to, to travel and to sing. God opened doors for me to record a few albums. And, and so I had these incredible opportunities to sing with some amazing people and to sing on some pretty incredible stages. And that became my focus. And I'm, all the time I'm thinking, this is a pretty weed. You know, this is Christian music. It's good, right? It's pretty. There's nothing wrong with this until it's everywhere. That's all that I thought about. That's all, that's everything in my life was pointed to this dream of success in this area of my life, the world's view of success. And I began to lose sight of God in my own life. And, and, and I began to kind of just let him fade and let this stuff take over. And it was actually a conversation with a sweet older lady in my church that just shook me to my core. She was just talking to me. She was asking me questions about my life. I had just gotten back from, from a, 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 a concert and, and was, was just telling her about it. I was excited about it. And she just was so sweet. She was like, that's just so wonderful, all the places that you've gone. And then she said, I bet you have been able to tell so many people about Jesus in all those wonderful places. And I just stood there panicked because I couldn't think of when I had sat down with someone and told them about Jesus on any of those trips. I was singing Christian music, right? So I mean, I'm telling people about Jesus through song. I'm, it's good, I'm good to go. But I had not shared the gospel. I wasn't producing fruit. I was just going through the motions. I was distracted by this pursuit of success by the world standards and failed to remember what God had actually created me for. I wasn't producing fruit. It's that thorny soil. It's, you know, I heard Jesus's words, but I allowed everything that was going on that I wanted to do or that was coming in my way in my, in my life to keep me from growing and producing fruit. That's the thorny soil in our hearts today. Distractions that have begun to starve us of Jesus. We slowly add these things. That's, what it, that's usually how it works. It's a slow fade. We add a few things here. You know, a few nights a week, I'm gonna be involved in this. And then it becomes a little bit more. I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss a Sunday this month, but that's okay. I'm, I'm gonna miss Bible study this month or I'm gonna have to go to this thing this evening so I'm not gonna be able to do my quiet time. And we get about five or six months or however long down the road and we realize that we haven't studied our Bible in about four months. We haven't been to church regularly in six months. We haven't prayed with our spouse in three months, and then we have all of this other stuff that's just overshadowing Jesus, right? They're good things. There's nothing wrong with any of those things that you've taken on in your life, right? Hobbies and careers and, and doing things with your kids, those are all great things. But when those things become bigger than Jesus, they become sinful things in our lives. So if we ask ourselves, is, is this stuff and these dreams or whatever all this that the world has, is this stuff worth my relationship with Jesus. Now, if I asked you to write the answer down on paper, all of you would be like, yes, Jesus is better. It's, it's definitely Jesus is the way to go. But if I asked you to live that out, it's different, right? It's hard. I'm not telling you anything that I don't have to struggle with myself. Decisions on a daily basis are difficult because sometimes you have to hurt somebody because you have to say, I can't do that. I have to do this. I have to, Jesus wants me to do this. Or I can't go with you because I have to be in church. Or I can't um, stay this late because I have to come home and my family read scripture at this time every night. Whatever it is, you have to make those choices and they're difficult. 
And, and, and so that's when, that's when we have to make a choice if we're willing to, to stay in this thorny soil or do we really want fertile soil in our lives? What do we ultimately want? And so the world offers us lots of things, but the world can't offer us eternity. The world can't offer us Jesus. Only he can. Psalm 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart. That can be our prayer. God, just create in me a clean heart. Get rid of the rocks. Un- unpack the, the hard soil. Get rid of these thorns, these weeds that are in my life so that I can focus on you. Which type of soil do you relate to? Jesus, of course, spoke through these, these parables not to deceive anyone, but so that we would be drawn in to listen, to let our guard down, so that we can identify ourselves in one or maybe multiple types of these soils that might be in our hearts. And then he goes on and he says this again. Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Hearing is one thing, right? We can hear words and we can hear it, but processing it and actually listening is different. Understanding it is different. So when we read Jesus' words or when we hear Jesus speaking to us, we stop and we listen. Jesus knew, again, the story would allow that opportunity for us to just let our guard down enough to to let him in so that we can pause and listen. But we have to do that. Listening is your choice. So let me ask you this morning, how well did you listen to God today, this morning, for the last 30 minutes? How well did you listen to God? Where do you see yourself in this story? Is, where is your heart or what parts of your heart might be represented in this story? Uh, have you heard Jesus, but you haven't accepted him? If that's you this morning, then, then maybe today's the day that you just start there. You ask Jesus to come into your life, to give, he, he gave his life for you, he gave his life for me, he came to die a horrific death on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. All he was asking, he's just offering a free gift of salvation. If, will you accept that? Or maybe you're here this morning and you've asked Jesus into your life and, and, and you've been excited about that, but you just haven't moved beyond that. You haven't really grown roots yet. You haven't taken the time to develop a relationship with him. Um, you, you know maybe who Jesus is, you know all the information, but you just don't really know him here. You can make that change today as well. You can start moving toward that. You can start moving toward a life that represents who Jesus is. You can build that relationship with him so that when life does get hard, and it will, that he will be able to be there right alongside you and to guide you through that. Or maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus and maybe you've had seasons where you have just been close and you have been chasing him and you're walking along him, and, but, but lately maybe there's been some distractions. Maybe there's been something that's popped up that's pulled you a little bit away from him. And maybe you've placed a few things in your life that has pushed Jesus further and further back. And these things are beginning to choke him out of your life. Only you know that, right? Only you know your heart. Only you know where those dark, hard-hearted places are. Only you know where those thorny places are or those rocky places are in your heart wherever parts that might be shallow or, or overcrowded, you know those. And I'm guessing that some of you in this room are, are thinking of those places right now in your mind. But this morning, the, the altar is open. It's not, a, it's not that you have to make a decision at this altar. You can do that from your seat. You can do that wherever you happen to be listening to this. You can do that. We would love to talk to you and, and, and talk through that with you, but we would love for you to just kind of pause and, and, and find yourself in the story. 
Find where your heart is represented in this story. Whether you want to accept Jesus this morning, we encourage that, or you just want to designate today as the day that you have begun to build that relationship with him. That you become to begin to make those changes that are necessary to become good soil, have a heart that's receptive, fertile, and, and fruit-producing. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Let's pray. God, we love you so much.